It's Thursday, May the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, waiving vaccine patents and trying to form another Israeli government. First, the world in brief. The Biden administration said America will support a temporary waiver of intellectual property rights for COVID-19 vaccines. Along with Britain and the European Union, it had been blocking a proposal at the World Trade Organization led by India and South Africa to suspend IP protections in order to ramp up global production and distribution. The head of the World Health Organization hailed the waiver as a, quote, monumental moment. Share prices of vaccine makers slumped. Canada approved a jab developed by Pfizer and BioNTech for use in children aged 12 to 15. It is the first country to authorize a COVID-19 vaccine for under-18s. Health ministers said the decision was made after Phase 3 clinical trials involving over 2,000 youngsters. Separately, Moderna reported success in developing booster injections that are more effective against antibody-evading variants. India's foreign minister was forced to skip a meeting with G7 foreign ministers to self-isolate after two members of his delegation tested positive for COVID-19. Meanwhile, the Reserve Bank of India pledged $6.7 billion in loans to the healthcare sector. India reported nearly 4,000 COVID-19 deaths on Wednesday, setting a world record. The government is resisting calls for a national lockdown. Israel's president asked Yair Lapid, the leader of the centrist Yesh Atid party, to form a government. Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud won a plurality of seats in March's election, but then he proved unable to cobble together a working coalition. If Mr Lapid is able to do so, he will end Mr Netanyahu's 12-year reign as prime minister. The second-highest-ranking Republican in America's House of Representatives, Steve Scalise, joined voices in his party calling for the ouster of Liz Cheney, the third-highest-ranking. Ms. Cheney's offence, denouncing Donald Trump's claim that re-election was stolen from him. Mr. Scalise's office declared his support for Elise Stefanik, who hopes to replace Ms. Cheney as Republican conference chair. Despite a severe shortage of semiconductor chips affecting carmakers around the world, General Motors reported revenues of $32.5 billion in the first quarter of 2021. The American firm's profits surged to $3 billion from $300 million in the same period last year. Meanwhile, Stellantis, another vehicle manufacturer and product of a recent merger, said that its net revenues had increased by 14% on a pro forma basis year-on-year. Archegos, a family office run by Bill Huang, a former hedge fund trader, is preparing for insolvency, the Financial Times reported. The investment vehicle collapsed in March after defaulting on margin calls, demands for more collateral to cover losses on trade that had gone awry. Global banks such as Credit Suisse and Nomura lost an estimated $10 billion in the fallout. And fact of the day. America's military forces spend more than the rest of the top 10 countries put together as usual, but its soldiers are paid 16 times more than China's. And now, here's today's agenda. Speechless, Donald Trump's Facebook ban. 
Yesterday, Facebook's Oversight Board, set up as a Supreme Court for content review, issued its keenly expected ruling on whether Donald Trump should be kept off the social network and Instagram. In January, Facebook's boss Mark Zuckerberg suspended Mr. Trump's account in the wake of posts praising those who had participated in the Capitol riots. Facebook referred its decision to the OB, which is meant to offer an independent check on its authority. It allowed Mr. Trump's suspension to stand and instructed Facebook to review its decision within six months and determine whether the risk of violence has receded. The decision has been watched closely as a test of the OB's authority and impact. Yet this case only underscores the need for such oversight, given how much power Facebook has to silence or empower online users. Without Facebook, Twitter or YouTube, which have also blocked Mr. Trump, his voice is muted. Eyes North, Britain's Elections Britain's head to the polls today for local, regional and in Scotland and Wales national elections. The COVID-19 pandemic delayed many of last year's scheduled votes, meaning an unusually large number are now being held simultaneously with correspondingly high stakes. The most important contest is in Scotland. Some polls suggest the Scottish National Party is on course to win a majority in the Scottish Parliament, which it will use to seek another referendum on independence from the rest of Britain. The British government is determined to say no, expect a long stalemate to follow. Elsewhere, the Labour Party faces a serious challenge in Hartlepool. A by-election may result in the Conservatives taking hold of the working-class port town for the first time since 1964. But the real indicators of how much Sakir Starmer, Labour's leader, has revived the party will be eight mayoral contests in London, Manchester, Birmingham and other cities, plus Welsh Assembly elections and 143 English councils. Hardest job in the world, Adar Poonawala. Despite rumours to the contrary, Adar Poonawala will soon return from London to the headquarters in Pune of his company the Serum Institute of India, the world's largest producer of vaccines. The rumours follow reports that his family will remain in London and SII's announcement at a British-India trade meeting of a new sales and research office and perhaps production facilities in Britain. SII's rapid production of a COVID-19 vaccine enhanced its standing, but the company is in a difficult spot. The Indian government ordered too few doses and has blocked exports. America banned shipments of an ingredient vital to the production of a better vaccine. SII's prices, though they are the lowest in the world, are widely criticised in India as too high. When Mr. Poonawala arrives back in India, he will be greeted not by cheering fans, but following personal threats by a security detail to protect him. At a crossroads, the Bank of England. British consumers have shot back to reopened high street shops and filled up the gardens of pubs since outdoor dining and drinking returned last month. They are, in the words of Oxford Economics, a consultancy, quote, champing at the bit to spend. Firms are spending too. The new super deduction tax break should cause them to bring forward investment plans. All this good cheer, though, leaves the Bank of England in something of a quandary. Inflation is currently well below the bank's target, but expected to bounce higher later this year. Today, the bank ponders its next steps. Interest rates are unlikely to be increased from 0.1%, but policymakers may decide to slow the pace of bond purchases under their quantitative easing programme. 
For all the recent good news, the economy is expected to still be below its pre-pandemic size at the end of this year. The bank can take its time in withdrawing support. From artist to activist, the boy from Medellin. Before he became the, quote, prince of reggaeton, J Balvin was a boy from the Colombian city of Medellin, and for some time an unauthorized immigrant in America. But in 2019, he returned to his birthplace as an international celebrity, a triumphant homecoming documented in a film premiering this Friday on Amazon Prime Video. A chronicle of Mr. Balvin's week leading up to a sold-out concert in his hometown, The Boy from Medellin offers a glimpse of an artist wrestling with his political conscience. At around that time, Colombians were demonstrating against the government. The documentary shows Mr. Balvin initially hesitating to get involved before deciding he has a social responsibility to use his platform to support the protesters. Now, with the country in its second week of clashes between protesters and security forces, Mr. Balvin has taken to social media to decry the violence that has left dozens missing or dead, calling for, quote, peace and love. Finally, here's the quote of the day from L. Frank Baum, who died on this day in 1919. No thief, however skillful, can rob one of knowledge, and that is why knowledge is the best and safest treasure to acquire. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 